0: Hello and welcome back to the Ireland Football Fans Podcast for what will probably be our last podcast of international season. Ireland finally have their first win under the new, under, I suppose he's just the manager now, Stephen Kenny. We've doubled our our goals tally in one game. Three new players are available to the manager after making their debut. And we scored four goals for the first time since beating Oman in What was Robbie Keane's final game in 2016? I'm Joseph McCarthy of the Irish Abroad website, and I'm joined by Mark Kennedy of Hawkeye Psychic to discuss the two end-of-season friendlies against uh, Andorra and Hungary and what, if anything, they mean for the three qualifiers that the boys in green will be facing in September. Mark, how are you? Good now, Joe. Yeah, plenty of positivity, I think, in this podcast, given the results we've just had anyway, so all good. And look, let's just dive straight in with the the first friendly against uh, Andorra last Thursday evening. Now, the first half was as bad a half of football as we've seen uh, under the former Dundalk manager. Ireland struggled really to create anything. It seemed that uh, Andorra were playing a particularly high press against us, which was keeping us in our own half. And uh, we finished... Uh, Scoreless at half time. The first time that we failed to score against Andorra in the first forty-five minutes of a game against them, and then calamity. Andorra scored a header. Not just that, a free header, and we were looking down the barrel of possibly our worst international results ever. We'd gone we'd gone behind against Andorra before, but we had all in those games we had looked like scoring, and up until that point we did. And it took Troy Parrott really taking the game by the scope of the neck and scoring two excellent goals to snap us out of the funk that we just seemed to be in. And in the end, the 4-1 scoreline probably flattered us a little bit. But Mark, what did you think when that Antora goal went in? Were you looking at the end of Stephen Kenny's time in charge? I think realistically I was. 38 minutes for Stephen Kenny to save
1: his job. I don't think he would have been able to recover from that, truth be told. But you have to say, after the 52nd minute, Joel, you have to give the side an awful lot of credit for how they got back into the contest. There could have been an awful lot of dropped heads, but I think John Egan alluded to post-game. The side were still confident, you know, they were still doing the right things. And in fairness, to Detroit who really did emerge on the international scene for us. I know it's only Andorra, but the fact that he provided the leadership, his first goal, particularly on the 58th minute, was an outstanding piece of skill. Identified a space between the Andorra midfield and defence and literally drove into the area, asked Andorra questions and slotted a great ball past Alvarez in the Andorra goal. And you could see the energy, you could see McLean's celebration for that goal as well. You could see the sense of relief after that goal. The team then literally went up um, a few notches and quite quickly afterwards, I think Andorra were kind of rocked under heels a little bit and Paris connected with a lovely cross. And at that stage, what you'd mentioned about the high press from Andorra, that high press started to wane a little bit significantly in that last 30 minutes. And definitely the middle third, Jason Knight, really got into it. An awful lot. Great goal from him on the 84th minute following in. I know it could be dubious goalkeeping. But again, Knight had a stand-up game. I was delighted to see all the young players when it went 1-0. They didn't shirk responsibility. They looked to have the ball. And delighted to see Darren Horgan on score sheet. That was actually probably... One of our better moves of the game and lovely header at the end. So 4-1, you know, you can say it's Andorra. There was fitness conditioning issues on the Andorra side, obviously with the high press, but given the circumstances after 52 minutes and how the games have gone for Stephen Kenny prior, monkeys off his back, open win in his international managerial career. And in fairness the squad comments afterwards was a very positive.
0: I was reminded a little of uh, Stephen Ireland's winner against San Marino uh, under Steve Staunton when, uh, you know, again against the group minnows it looked like they were going to drop points. And, you know, our young, talented player steps up to deliver the win. You know, another comparison I think I made was to, uh, in the Six Nations, playing Italy at the week well, Not maybe not now, but at the beginning of the Six Nations, when you were when Ireland were facing Italy, you knew how things were going to go against them. You knew that it would be sixty minutes of hard slog against them, but then in the final twenty, their fitness levels compared to the fully professional uh, Irish setup would drop, Um, and the last twenty minutes were usually when we when we scored the majority of our points against the Italians. And like it was the first win under the new manager. But I think what most people were focusing on was the fact that we went behind and that we didn't really look like scoring until we went behind. You know, Jamie McGrath made his uh, his international debut after uh, a great season with St. Mirren, something that we've been calling out for for a while. And, you know, that was way down the list of priorities uh, of the, in, in the discussion after the final whistle had been blown. I did find the comments from the manager after the game that, they hadn't practiced set pieces in the build-up to the to the friendly against Andorra. Uh, a little concerning. In international football, especially for uh, the weaker teams, you know, set pieces are uh, a vital source of goals. It's something that they can practice regularly in training. It's something they can refine in matches. And to not prepare for that is uh, is is very surprising from a manager who's. Noted for his attention to detail. For the actual goal itself, the in centre half, I'm not exaggerating when I say that he had the freedom of the penalty area to pick his spot. There was absolutely nobody marking him. I don't blame Gambazunu in goals Uh, for the goal when an opposition player has that amount of space, that amount of time to pick his spot. There's very little you can do about it. But I do wonder about the the long term repercussions uh, of failing to keep another clean sheet might have for the Manchester City youngster if Darren Randolph returns to fitness for West Ham if Quiven Callagher who suddenly becomes uh, part of the first team setup at uh, Liverpool are out on loan could that mean that Vizunu slips further down the pecking order um, maybe even out of the the senior setup and back to the under twenty ones. You know, Mark, what did you think of the comments that they hadn't focused on set pieces in the build up to the game? Bit of a surprise, I thought,
1: Joe, to be fair. Not something you should be freely admitting, I think. Now, I think in terms of Anthony Barry and the training, you could see kind of some of that you know, come to fruition, particularly in the second half. But I think you've enough experienced heads there, like sort of John Egan, Darrow, Shea, Matt Doherty, Conor Horahan, James McLean. These are all kind of model professionals, so. It was a complete breakdown, uh, and even I, I'd go to the free kick that set up the goal as well, uh, Joe. I thought it was a pretty pointless free. That was a bit of over eagerness on our part to win a ball in the air. It's not as if the Andorran guy was going to basically do anything with the possession, but gave them the opportunity just outside the area to float in a, a ball. And in fairness, as you've rightly pointed out, it, it's a source of great kind of great attacking platform for minnows like Andorra. You know that they maximise their corner kicks, free kicks, and fairness to Mark Valley is definitely identified a weak point. you know. It was kind of like, we almost went zone a little bit. Someone thinking that they were going to be following in on central defender when literally he was literally kind of stranded, literally in the middle of the penalty area. And fairness to him, he was a great header. He couldn't really fault the, the player for the goal. But yeah, in fairness to Bizzunu, like, there was no fault there. I think it's just a complete defensive breakdown in front of him. Uh, and, and in terms of Bizzunu himself, I think, in fairness to him, you know, I thought it was another very progressive performance from Bazunu. I mean, we can say about clean sheets and everything else, but he has shown in the last few games that this is a guy having a massive, massive potential. And it'll be interesting just in the off season where he goes. He definitely will go on loan. He's go out on record saying that, you know, his agent and Man City are in discussions at the moment where he's going to be. And he's also floated the idea maybe going into continental European football, which can only be beneficial for the players. So I think Bazuna won't be staying around too much in Man City anyway. He will be getting first team action. My concern would be maybe a Queenie You know, as you've pointed out, you know, very promising keeper. But if he's going to be understudied Talisman here, when is he getting the opportunity? So I think that might be the key issue here. I think Bezuna has done himself no no harm at all in terms of the the games here. And, you know, it, it'll be an interesting selection poser, particularly with Darren Rondoff coming back in. But... You have to say, if you were Stephen Kenny, like the Callagher, Kelleher, they've basically put up their hand for selection now for the Portugal game. It'll be very interesting to see the managerial call on that because Randolph hasn't really featured in many of these games. We're kind of saying he's de facto number one, but just the way Kelleher and Bazunu are they better goalkeepers with ball at their feet? I think it's going to be an interesting conundrum for Stephen Kenny to resolve in the next few weeks before the September 1st uh, international with Portugal.
0: It's not just... Whether or not Randolph is playing first team football, um, he's missed quite a few of the squad meetups under Stephen Kenny. So if he was to come in, just say he was to be selected in the squad for the triple header against Portugal, Azerbaijan, and Serbia in September it'll almost be like starting from scratch with him because he'll have to be integrated into the new way of playing, the new methods of preparation that the management team have, even our organisation for set pieces. Plus as well, Joe, I think Dean Kiley has run the
1: rule over three goalkeepers in this uh, training camp. Gavin Bezunu, Yves Keeve and Kelleher, and we haven't forgot to mention Mark Travers as well, who's probably looking at the outside a little bit, but at least Dean Kiley has seen the underage talent that's coming through. He's seen the form, he's seen their strengths, their weaknesses. With Darren Randolph, he probably knows an awful lot about the player, given his professional standing in Crystal Palace, but there's no substitute for keepers being put through their paces in the training ground and seeing him in actual game time in international football. So, yeah, uh, like Dean Kelly, feedback will be pretty pivotal here to Stephen Kenny as well, and I'm sure he can only really adjudicate on the three guys that he's basically seen so far to throw Darren Randolph in in September 1st. Would that be considered a bit of a risk, just given the lack of game time and... Lack of, as you say, cohesion and quality—you know—minutes that he's had with the player. So the goalkeeper position has suddenly turned very interesting, which is can only be good for uh, for us.
0: It's it's uh, it's a strange feeling to have three different goalkeepers all vying for the the number one jersey. Um, and you know, if you four, if you want to include Mark Stravers, and that could be the case for you know the next fifteen years. Uh, all three goalkeepers are are young, they're starting out in their careers, we expect them to have long careers, and we expect them to be in the Ireland Ireland's squad for the majority of that time. I think one of the highlights of uh, Stephen Kenny's uh, reign so far has been the performances of Derby's Jason Knight, and he got his first goal at international level against Andorra, and for me he was one of the standout players against Hungary. I think he's definitely cemented his place in the starting 11. Uh, what did you think uh, of the the Kevin Teeley player? Yeah, no, I'd, in fairness to her, we've been big fans of Jason Knight for quite a while.
1: And he, he has delivered. You can see he's settling into international football. You know, he's getting the games. Credit to Stephen Kenny. He, he's keeping faith with them. Technically, uh, a very, very good player. Makes the right decision, you know, with the ball. Uh, and... To be honest with you, like, as you say, Knight was the standout guy, not just for his cameos, you know, he was doing an awful lot of selfless running, you know, creating space for others, but also, uh, very impressed by the Andorra goal that he scored, his willingness to basically commit, uh, to a run from deep. Um, that's what we've been screening out for a little bit, particularly from our midfield unit. And you can say all you want about Juba's goalkeeping that happened for the cross, but for Knight to basically commit to the cross, I, I thought showed what we were being lacking an awful lot since Stephen Kenny has taken charge. An awful lot of pretty football has happened in that middle third, but no real kind of incisive end product. And Knight seems to have really kind of bought into that ethos. It's linking in the support running with the the front men. Uh, look, he's a tremendous talent. I'd be very interested in the off season, see if there's any offers for Jason Knight, particularly from Premier League clubs, but considering maybe the likes of a Norwich City going up. They've sold one of their star players, Sasson Villa, in recent days. Uh, it'll be interesting just to see what Jason and I, because he was appointed captain by Ray Rooney. Rain Rooney has an awful lot of admiration for the player. And again, these international games, you know, his form during this period has been standout. So it can only be good for the player. He's one of the marquee guys now for Stephen Kenny. So I think it's a real positive for the team going forward.
0: Well, the final goal scorer in the game then is a player that... Stephen Cain knows from his time in the League of Ireland, that's Darrell Horgan, who also got his first international goal, finishing off a, a cross from Jason Knight, uh, a reverse of the previous goal, where Horgan crossed for Knight to score. Something I been meaning to look up actually is when the last time his sister for an Ireland goal went on to uh, actually score a goal with an assist from the player that he assisted. I'll get back to you as soon as I can on that one. Horgan, you know, we discussed his inclusion in the squad in the build up to the two friendlies. You know, he was relegated from the championship and he was a regular starter uh, in the, the Wickham side until I think early March and then didn't start another game after that. But he seems to perform well for Stephen Kenny and he seems to perform well as that impact substitute role. And we saw him again come on to, to great effect against Hungary. I think he, he could be one of these players that the manager trusts and he knows what he's going to get from him. Um, and that it, that it doesn't matter how he's performing at club level. Stephen Kenny knows what he's going to do for him, you know, in an international fixture. And like that's, that's not a bad thing. You know, um, every, I think every manager that has ever been in charge of Ireland has had their favorites and it could just be that, that Horgan is one of Stephen Kenny's. I was absolutely delighted for him to to get his goal, and I'm happy to see him continuing in the squad. Totally agree, Joel. Like Daryl Horgan, it's just playing history with
1: Kenny as manager, particularly with Dundalk. kind of followed him as he went to Hibernian and now with Wickham as well. I, I, I think he's a model professional in terms of how he approaches the game, and I was happy in terms of the Andorra cameo as well, an assist, and also the goal as well. Again, a bit like Jason Knightley's goal, made a gamble. for for the cross and I think that kind of spawned you know the confidence that was in the side as well players were gambling that the right ball was coming into the final third so in fairness to Horgan it was a very impressive cameo against Andorra uh we'll probably talk about Hungary in a few minutes but again he's done himself no harm at all I know Wickham have gone down into league one they're you know well-run club it'll be interesting to see Horgan's plans particularly with uh, Gary Ainsworth in charge, you know, haven't heard anything to suggest otherwise that he won't be at the club uh, next season. So he will get game time, and that's kind of key for Daryl Horgan. So, And Wickham will look to come up to the championship again. They were pretty close to staying in the division, all told. So, I mean, I think for Daryl Horgan, a bit like Jason Knight, no harm in showing the form to prospective clubs. You know, we'll see where his club
0: career unfolds in the next few weeks. Uh, Before we leave the door again behind, uh, look, we can't go without mentioning uh, Troy Parrott's two goals. I know we did briefly mention on it, but, you know, it does bear um, a bit more examination. The team looked listless before he got the ball. um, And as he said himself, he saw the pitch open in front of him. And what a way to score your first international goal to bring your team from behind and then to score the second minutes later. It's been a frustrating season, I think, for Troy Parish. The loan move to Millwall didn't really work out. Millwall did underperform this season, and he became a bit of a scapegoat for their performances. Then going to Ipswich, and in a side like that probably didn't perform as well as has been expected this season, he only got two goals from them. One coming in the the last game of the season. And it's easy to forget, I think, as well that you know he is only 19 years old, and he only turned 19 in February. And you know he's already played under two managers at, at senior international level. Uh, so there's been a lot of hype around him for it feels like four or five years now, and he seemed to be the anointed successor to Robbie Keane. When he's a very different player to Robbie Keane, they just have both happen to play up front but I think that the manager sees him as the main goal scoring threat now. He's not going to go back to the under-21s, and I expect to see him start uh, at least two of the games in September, and probably all three. In time, we might look back at the Indoor game as uh, as when he came of age at international level. Completely agree, Joe. Now, going back to the club career, I think this
1: season has been a good reality check for Troy Parrott with the hype and everything else that it's not all happiness and light. He's had a very prolific career with Tottenham in the junior ranks, but he kind of found the the pitfalls of football very quickly, particularly when we went to Millwall. Now, Millwall aren't blessed with creativity, and the fact that Gary Rowe was deploying him as a midfielder just didn't really work too much. I think he went for Kent Sikore up front. And to be honest to Gary Rowe's, Millwall and Tottenham they made the decision quite quickly that Troy Parrott wasn't getting the development that he required at the club and everyone mutually kind of agreed that it was best for Troy to kind of move on to somewhere else and Ipswich then became a bit of a bad situation as well Joe if you remember Paul Lambert was the manager and I think Troy Parrott was only in the club maybe a week or two weeks when Paul Cook arrived into the club and in fairness to Paul Cook had given them the games but there's an awful lot of turmoil in Ipswich Town at the moment just with the Alan Judge situation as well not prepared to pay a contract it's just seems a bit messy there so in fairness to uh, Troy Parrott a bit like Jason Knight and uh, what we've kind of looked at with Daryl Horgan. These games have really come at the right time for Troy Parrish. You know, they were only just come into form, particularly come the end of the season. And to be honest, the two goals that he, he scored were great. But I thought his first touch, the way he brought people into the play, was very impressive in both our games against Andorra and Hungary. Just his overall game really evolving very well. That's just a key for him now, you know, when he goes back to Tottenham. Who knows who the manager will be come next season. But again, he needs game time. Uh, I think Troy, you know, will have learned massively over this last few weeks, uh, particularly in the international setup, that he needs game time to just keep his form going. And to be honest with you, Troy Parrott, he could probably go back to probably a Skybet Championship club again and soar. Because I think the two goals that he scored, particularly against Andorra, were two very different goals the first one kind of really showing his skill set, leadership, took the game by scruffing the neck with that glorious run and shot it into the net. And then the second one he's kind of positioning in terms of getting on the end of the cross was very impressive as well. You could say about Alvarez and in, or Indigo and in Andorra, but again, had to be there to kind of put away the chance. So all in all, I think Troy Parrott, from a front line perspective, I think he's first name of team chief for Stephen Kenny going forward, as I say, in the senior side. And Portugal on September 1st, is that sort of player that Troy Parrott could pose problems for Portugal, particularly coming from deep and basically running at Portugal at pace. That's, I think, where we could have problems here, given Portugal's high line press. He may have a bit more of the advantages there if he, he's playing there.
0: But overall, I think Troy Parrott, it's been a good series of games for him. Definitely. And no manager, I think, is going to drop an international striker after he scores twice. Um. So we saw him again start up front. Uh, this time with Adamida against Hungary. Now we knew that Hungary would be a very different prospect to Andorra. They qualified for the European Championships. They're unbeaten in ten games, and the last team to beat them was Russia. They've beaten and drawn with Serbia, who've already beaten us uh, in our qualifiers, and you know came away with a draw against Poland, who had the, probably the best striker in Europe at the moment, Lewandowski, up front. But I have to say, the performance that was put in against Hungary is probably my favourite under the manager so far, with Serbia and Slovakia following after. You know, we've talked before that he seems to have uh, a plan A and not a plan B, or that his plan B is to, play, is to keep playing plan A. But I think in this game... Um he shackled his attacking instincts a little bit and played a very solid defensive formation and looked to play on, on the break. And um it, it worked. Hungary Hungary had a few shots on target, but I, I don't know if you'd call any of them a clear cut chance. I think if it was a qualifier and you came and we had come away with a draw, we'd have been very happy with it. I think we you know, we saw the debut and goals of Creving Kelleher. And very little in the game. Chidozie Ogbeni came on, first African-born player to play for the Republic, and could have won it uh, with his very first touch at international level. So, like Mark, what were your thoughts after the game, and how do you see this impacting Stephen Kenny's thoughts in the future? Well, I suppose he went with a three-five-two formation. I think that is
1: it's probably preferred formation given the players that. He has at his disposal. I kind of liked in terms of the axis of the team. You know, we had Bazunu, uh, we had Callagher in goal, with John Egan, Horan, Cullen, Knight. That kind of axis is very solid. And then our Daroche, McLean had good positive moments. Same with Shane Duffy and Matt Doherty as well. So again, there was enough of other solid, um, solid things that happened here in this game. Parrot again led the line very well. Adamida tried tirelessly. You know, again, it's a player who probably needs a little bit more time in international football. But again, you can't fault the effort. The organisation and shape of the side was very good. I thought Joe. And it could have been very different. John Egan cracked the crossbar after about four or five minutes. It was a great set piece uh, that we executed right at the start of the game. Could have been 1-0. Now, Hungary, you could see their centre-halves, they do like to bomb forward. But yeah, we kept chances to a minimum. I can only really think of the one just before half-time that Gavin Bezuna said very well from uh, the number nine from Hungary. Apart from that, there was an awful lot a few half-chances, but overall we were kind of comfortable, well-organised. A very good performance and as well, great to see Shane Duffy back in the side. I think when he's in the side, particularly defensively, we look so much better. From a kind of a shape and particularly an aerial battle perspective, he didn't put a foot wrong in the game. So all in all, plenty of positives. That O'Shea, Egan, Duffy axis, I think it'll be interesting to see what Stephen Kenny does. You know, <laughs> a little bit ballsy if he plays a three-five-two against Portugal, but Kenny seen to full effect that these guys can rotate into four at the back or three at the back. It seems to be there was more comfort here in terms of how we wanted to kind of play the game. Um, you know, we passed from the back. We kind of varied a little bit at times, which is good as well. We've been critical in time in terms of in-game management, that we've been a little bit predictable, a little bit one-dimensional. I don't think you can say that against Hungary. We were through a little bit of few looks against Hungary. So, all in all, I think it was a very positive performance. I think, as you say yourself, Joe, probably the best performance that we've had under Steam. And I think, based off the Andorra results, I said last week in our podcast the boost that a win against Andorra would give the side. You've seen it there. It's the knock-on effect. It's the training sessions. Everything after the Andorra game, are pretty positive going into the game. It lent it lend itself to another great performance against Hungary. And the hope here is that we gain momentum and we build momentum again for the Portugal game, September 1st. They're going to be a different kettle of fish. But again, we're going into that with a little bit of confidence, which is great.
0: I think it'll actually be interesting to see how Hungary do in the very next game, which is against Portugal, who is our very next game, in September. The last game before tournament doesn't really show or doesn't really give too much away. We lost our last game before Euro 2016 to Belarus in Cork and less than three weeks later we beat Italy. So, yeah, I'm not going to read too much into Hungary's performance, but it will be interesting to see how they play against Cristiano Ronaldo and Fernandes and everybody else in what, for my money, is one of the favourites for the, the tournament in in a week's time. Uh, just, you mentioned the, the back three there. Well, Egan would probably be the only one that would play regularly in a back three at club level. O'Shea, we know, can play anywhere across the back four, and Shane Duffy has. He hasn't had a good season for Celtic, uh, at all. The lone move has just been a, an absolute disaster. After uh, two goals in his first few appearances for the Hoops, it just all fell apart after that very, very quickly. But for the two players that wouldn't play in that formation very well, it just seemed to suit them all pretty much down to the ground with Duffy on the left, Eagle in the middle and, uh, O'Shea on the right, supported by Darty and, and McLean as wingbacks. Now, Darty played his best football as a wingback for Wolves. He hasn't really had a chance to play in that position for Spurs so far. You know, Jose Mourinho doesn't really play with wingbacks, and we don't know what the new manager at White Hart Lane is going to do in the new season. But James McLean actually really surprised me. For what I thought was a bit of a subdued performance against Andorra, I and mean, they just seemed to be selected at left-back because he's left-footed. He was actually really good as a wing-back and could be an option there in future. You, look, you know what you're going to get from McLean every time he show up. He like I genuinely think he'll have to be trailing a, a, a lame or internal organs before he'll pull out of the squad. And he'll never stop running. And he didn't stop running against Hungary uh, right up until he was substituted for Ryan Manning. I'm not sure if it was his position on the pitch or if he'd been practicing and training, but the passes and crosses he made... Against the Hungarians, were um, you know of a pretty good quality. He'll always have his detractors. He'll always have people who who don't want him involved in the Ireland team. But um, I, I'm on the record as, as liking James McLean uh, as a player and, and as a person, and um, I'm happy to see him continue with Ireland until he decides he's he's no longer capable of doing it.
1: Yeah, I think he's versatility, Joe. I think he's a model professional. To be perfectly honest, you know, just his work ethic, his conditioning is always immense. And to be honest, he did himself no harm at all, just in terms of the way he kind of filled various roles for the team in the last two games, particularly being in that back four, you know, that left full back slot in the Stevens there. But we do need backup there. And I mean, McLean put up his hand. Now, there was cohesion issues between himself and Curtis Dora, but as you said yourself, when the two guys basically got the cohesion spot on, there was an awful lot of good delivery down that flank particularly against Andorra and also in Hungary as well when McLean's game is uncomplicated that he runs down the line and really hits a first-time cross in it does provide an awful lot of assets uh, for a team and I think the versatility is was huge and I think he's another one of these players around the training camp he's a good personality to be around the place he's very passionate about the side immense pride wearing the jersey and that's what we require here Joe as well and I think McLean has done himself no harm at all. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to be selected for the Portugal game on September 1st. So, look, I've been on record, say, with James McLean, quality quality player for their side. You need players like that in the squad to kind of provide that worth ethic. And if a few words have to be said in the dressing room, you know, I'd say McLean wouldn't be afraid to say it. So you, you need guys like that to kind of keep people firmly on the ground. So, no, it's been, been a good few weeks there for McLean, particularly with Stoke City and heading into the Republic of Ireland uh, camp as well.
0: One of the players that was disappointed across the two games was Conor Oren in Central in Midfield. Look, his his season has been disrupted. He was out of the picture at Aston Villa, despite scoring for them in the Premier League this season. The loan moved to Swansea. It didn't go as badly as, as say, Shane Duffy's did to Celtic, but um, I w- you wouldn't recall it a success. And, you know, losing the playoff final, is always going to have an effect on your preparation for anything. So it's possible that his his state of mind wasn't the greatest going to these two games. But I, I didn't see what he was bringing to the team. I felt his, his set pieces were a bit sloppy. They didn't seem to be finding anybody. He was slow in possession. And I think when he was replaced by Malumbi, Malumbi brought a bit of energy to the centre midfield. You know, in, the, in the area where Horan had been playing. And I think he was outshone by Jason Knight beside him, who pretty much didn't stop moving from the first whistle until the last the last minute of the game. And for me, uh, he's definitely going to start in September and probably all three games. And I doubt he'll stop running for the 270 minutes against Portugal, Azerbaijan and Serbia. Yeah, no,
1: I kind of
0: slightly like the disagree. Now,
1: the first Conor Horahan. Could have been a very easy decision for the player to decide after the Swansea's lost to Brentford, Wembley, ring Stephen Kenny, say, look, you know, I'm having a niggle here, I won't travel. But he traveled immediately to Girona, to the summer camp, training camp, which you have to kind of admit here, Joe, you know, it shows he's kind of, you know, his appetite for the national team. Now, I think in terms of these games, he's been interested in himself and Josh Cullen, that kind of, that sink. They've played the two games kind of in the anchor kind of role in midfield. And, that does take a little bit of time, particularly, you know, to gel between the two players. I don't think in Hungary he was relatively good. I thought the Andorra game, like the rest of the team for the fifty fifty five 55 minutes, was a little bit kind of passive and stuff. But the one thing with Horahan is, you know, he does link up play very well. He's a good passer of a ball. Again, I think the key question here for Stephen Kenny is, you know, where Jason Knight is positioned. I think that I think kind Conor Horahan's more favoured spot to be a little bit further up the park. Again, he'll certainly do a job for us in the centre of the park uh, with Josh Cullen. But yeah, it'll be one for Stephen Kenny. But I didn't think he did that badly, Joe, to be honest. And given, you say, a playoff final to the Premier League, losing it, is a devastating blow for anyone's player's career. So I think the fact that Horhan decided to get on a plane to join with the Irish squad, I'd look, I have heaps of admiration for the player, I think. He still has plenty. Look, I wouldn't be all surprised. It'd be interesting He's Aston Villa career. He goes back to Villa, you know, the off-season. I wonder if uh, Premier League Club will be probably eyeing him up for a summer transfer move. So, as long as he's playing regular first-team football, I think he's a quality stand-up player for us. And given, I think, September 1st, Horham will be all-guns blazed, and I think his
0: delivery will be far better. But, yeah, I thought he was solid overall, Joe, in my opinion. Okay, Just to clarify, I'm not doubting for one minute his dedication to playing for Ireland. I just felt that across the two games, uh, what I would expect from a senior player, uh, like he is now in the squad, I just felt that his performance was lacking. And he was outshone by the two junior players, either side of him, Jason Knight and, and Josh Cullen. Uh, I did think Cullen, some of Cullen's set pieces were poor as well. Uh, he didn't find teammates with many of the, the set pieces that, uh, we had in the Hungarian half. A lot of them just went straight out for, uh, for goal kicks. I think one did lead to a corner. But overall, uh, what Colin did play the role of that centre midfield player quite well, and uh, he not a player who'd be known for his uh, his set pieces anyway. I think after the two goals against Andorra, you know we we knew that Tripart would find it much harder to find the back of the net against Hungary, playing in that three five two formation. And even though we had five across the middle, it did seem to me that Part was dropping quite deep. Uh, to help the midfield three. And that meant that his partner, Adam, Adam Ito, up front, was often quite isolated. But both players are still very young, uh, in international terms. And I think that they probably learned a lot. They probably learned more from, uh, from playing Hungary than they did against Andorra, to be honest. Finally, Chidozi Albeni, you know, former Cork City and then McKessie player comes on. Only oh, plays for seven minutes. But, uh, as we say, could have won it with his very first touch at international level. I'm not sure if he's going to be part of the squad going forward. I mean, in the very brief cameo that Benny had, do you think that he'll be, he'll keep his squad place for September? Well, he did his chances no harm. I think
1: it was the cameo. I know it was only seven minutes, but what he did show was his burst of pace, his directness. I liked the part, it was the 92nd minute and the ball came to him and he could have just easily knocked it back to his, I think, to John Eager or something like that. But he decided to take on the Hungarian midfield right at the end, looking to kind of pose problems upon a free kick at the end. I think that all has to impress the management team, really, that he had the confidence to do that. I mean, we've seen him at length when he was at Limerick FC and also Cork, when Cork visited Limerick in the Premier Division. Very exciting player. So he's done himself no harm. I think it's a 50-50 call whether he gets retained for the Portuguese squad. You know, he did have a few senior players unavailable for selection, but he's done himself no harm, Joe. You know, he's on the radar now. Anthony Barry, Keith Andrews, the backroom staff, they've all kind of run the rule over him on this training cap. So I think initial impressions have been pretty favourable for the player. And, you know, the seven minutes, he was eager for work. He was eager to make an impression, which you always want to see from young players. Again, it's that team of the young players really coming to the fore, taking an opportunity well. And Ogbena did, <laughs> did Cork. And I know he played a bit of Gaelic football, I think, for Nemo Rangers back in the day. So yeah, he did Cork massively proud there, to be perfectly honest. So,
0: you know, no one for the future, definitely. Yeah, and uh, Nemo Rangers uh, tweeted out their congratulations uh, to him following the final whistle. I think the two games have been a worthwhile exercise. I think there's been players, uh, who've impressed and th- players maybe that would have been on the fringes of the squad could now find themselves very much part of the first team picture when the squad for the three qualifiers in September is announced. I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get to see, uh, any of Mark Travers, uh, Andrew Omovamedelli or Leo Connor of, of, of the three. Perhaps Omar of is probably the most unfortunate to miss out. You know, he did a great end to the season with Norwich City, uh, capped off with his, his first senior call-up and would have become the first player born after um, McCarthy's side was knocked out of the 2002 World Cup to earn a senior cap if he had appeared against either uh, Andorra or Hungary. With the end of the international season, um, as well as the seasons in England and Scotland, uh, we're going to we're probably not going to have any episodes until the build-up to the three qualifiers in uh, September begins. So, uh, Mark, do you have any final thoughts at the end of uh, another international year? An interesting international year, Joe. To be honest, with COVID
1: nineteen, you know Slovakia, some near misses in the League of Nations, but. Doom and gloom, it's suddenly kind of hopefully rising out of that with these two performances. The Andorra game, I think, was a key win. You know, you can say all you want about Andorra. There was awkward post-match analysis. Nertie recall that from Peter Collins and Richie Sadler. But again, it was important for the team to get that win. And I think the confidence spread and you could see a more assured performance against Hungary. I think it bodes well. Now, I know we have more significant opposition to face, particularly September 1st, with no other than Portugal. But there's no harm in playing Portugal immediately after the European Championships. New head coach may be installed, might have new ideas. So all in all, I think, Joe, optimism. We're now seeing underage talent coming through emerging into the senior side. And let's hope now that, you know, Stephen Kenny and the side can build on the results here in the last few days and uh, continue. And I mean, I think the most important thing from my perspective is that these young players are getting significant game time, along with the rest of the the Republic of Ireland side, that they're getting game time, they're in form, full fitness and, you know, can increase squad competition. That's all we're looking for. And if we do that, results will ultimately follow. So no, a bit of optimism there, thankfully, to end the season.
0: Yeah, I feel very much the same way. The performance, especially against Hungary, uh, gives us a lot of hope for the future. It's tempered a little bit by the fact that the last time we said that was uh, in the loss to Serbia. And in the very next game, we lost to Luxembourg. Our very next game is going to be away against Portugal. And I don't think even the most optimistic Ireland fan expects us to get anything uh, in Faro. But... It's followed by two home games against Azerbaijan and Serbia. And there's a real chance we could come away with at least four points from those two games. You'll see Stephen Kenny's team playing in front of a home crowd for the first time since beating New Zealand in a friendly in November 2019. Like you, I've been really impressed with the young players that have been brought into the squad and playing under unique, impossible conditions but the last two or three games have seen them improve. We've got genuine competition for places in goals now for the first time in a very long time. In defence, you know we've seen Daryl Shane, John Egan emerge as viable partners for Shane Duffy. And up front, Troy Parton and Adam Ida could go on to have a partnership you know, for many years to come. Look, football's a, a funny old game. After Andorra scores, I think we all thought that would be the end of the manager, and you know less than a week later, we're contemplating the the qualifiers in September. I'm still not sure how I feel about him, but I definitely feel better about him than I did sixty minutes into the friendly in the Estadio Nacional in Andorra. Uh, On behalf of of Mark and Phil, who couldn't join us tonight, uh, I'd like to thank you for listening to our discussions on the national team over the last 12 months. We'll talk to you again, no doubt, in August uh, in the build-up to the the triple header of qualifiers. And um, uh, we hope to talk to you then. Bye.